Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Fine Saturday matinee to you, Andy. Guten Morgen. Good. There you go. That's your new trademark right there. Change go the German. Up. There you go. <laughs> How you feeling? You feeling good? You feeling strong? I, I I wish I could say that. I actually came down with a, a bunch of crud that's just sitting on me right now. That uh, you know, bad timing since uh, 
I have less than a week to shake it off before Thanksgiving hits and the families descend and expect me to cook for them. So, yeah, you sound terrible. Really? <laughs> Thanks. No, Thanks, I no. <laughs> I mean it. You are death warmed over, son. Oh, you're just mm. saying that. What do you do? What do you do to take care of yourself when you're really when you really have to take care? Of yourself? Do you do it well? Are you good at it? Um, I kind of, you know, a lot of rest, and then I have my little my little herbal concoctions. Uh, I don't even if it's herbs is really the right thing. Just concoctions of things that I I mix together and drink and try to try to beat it out of me. Hmm. You 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 feed it right. You have to feed, or you starve a cold. No, you is feed a deal? cold. Feed starve a, a fever. Don't you feed a fever, starve a cold? Uh, was it the other way around? I thought that rhymed. There's a rhyme. I don't remember. Feed a fever. Is it? I think you feed <laughs> a cold. It's really funny. It, this is the the very first link. Is is it feed a fe- feed a cold, starve a fever, or vice versa? <laughs> Nobody remembers. We're going to answer this once and for all. I think we should. Um, uh, your son thinks there's better authority than dad for shame. Blah blah blah. Proverb. The idea, if not the exact wording dates back to 1574, Andy, when science, as we know, was exceptional. (laughs) (laughs) When a dictionary maker named Winthels wrote, fasting is a great remedy for, of Fuhrer. You're thinking, this guy wrote a dictionary? His medical advice wasn't so hot either. <laughs> Doctors have been trying to stamp out this above piece of folklore for years. Current medical thinking is that you want to keep even you want to keep an even strain when you're sick with either a cold or a fever, and you certainly don't want to stress your system by stuffing or starving yourself. Andy, it turns out this legendary piece of of uh, medical advice from 1574, I'm shocked to say it, is not accurate. You don't want to starve or feed your illness. Leave it to uh, the Patreon uh, Next Real supporters who are going to be out there spreading the good word. Please spread the good word. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, how's your? You saw Justice League. I did. Uh, I did. And I feel like you need to. You need to talk about what you thought. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to um, spoil it. Although you know, it's it's a superhero movie. I think everybody pretty much knows what's going on with it. I I mean, I enjoy it. I haven't really not enjoyed any of these except maybe Man of Steel. I had a real kind of rough time with that one. But I mean, I haven't just completely disliked them i i think that it was it was enjoyable enough um it wasn't uh like they do a good job of of building the team and i enjoyed the character dynamics with the uh the six heroes that we have here um it was you feel like they all got even uh even treatment yeah i think so and you know i think that um there's some challenge in that because obviously some of them don't get as much time to develop as others, but for the most part, I think it still is a good job kind of developing the team, and I think the team, you know, they work well together. Um, it's a little, uh, I, I felt a little, when you get to the final battle and Aquaman is there and there's like not a drop of water in sight, you know, I felt like a little disappointed that somehow they couldn't find a way to, hey, there's a lake nearby, maybe he can use the water in some way. 
But you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Remove his central interesting I ability. Right, exactly. He just became just, you know, a tough guy. Tough guy with a with a, a trident. Yeah. But it still is fun. It still is a lot of fun. And I think the it's an interesting superhero group because it's like I was thinking about it. It's like these guys are kind of like um, I, I guess you could call them not really gods, but I mean, like Flash uh, is kind of linked to um, which god was it that had the um, the little speedy shoes? I can't remember right now. Was that um, it? Wasn't Ares? Yeah, it was, was it the Ares? god no. of speed. I can't remember the one who the messenger boy, <laughs> whatever yeah. his name was. Uh, um, but it's like he's kind of you know a representative of that. You've got Wonder Woman who's an Amazon. You've got Aquaman who's one of the uh, Atlanteans. It's like an interesting group of superheroes that felt different to me than the um, than who we have over at Marvel, um, which felt more like, oh, I bit by a radioactive spider. I built a super suit, you know, things like that. And and I, I don't know. I just I guess I kind of enjoyed that element of it. I, I was feeling it a little more with this group now. Um, the real struggle, Hermes, by the Hermes, way. there you go. Yeah. The real struggle I had was the, uh, the antagonist, um, uh, it's Steppenwolf and I, I didn't really have direct problems with Steppenwolf. Although I, I, I just, I, I think the problem I had was it felt like there was this really big, um, story that might be, you know, arching across several movies or something about like where Steppenwolf had been, you know, gone to this whole time where he came from, where he kept disappearing to. Um, I had read something about how, you know, this is kind of setting up this story for Darkseid, who is this mega DC baddie. And I can't remember his world. Is it Acropolis or? It's Apoc- 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 Apocalypto. Apocalypto or something. Because Apoc- he's or an Apocalyptian it- general. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like waiting for that story to kind of be brought up. And they do mention Darkseid once, but it's like, if you're setting up like this big story that's kind of happening, that's going to be, you know, building to something, I felt like we should at least like be setting some of that up as it was, it ended up not setting anything up. And so it ended up kind of diminishing everything about the antagonist a bit. And that for me was a little bit of a letdown, but it's still enjoyable. Did they they deal with the multiple earths? Like were there earths one or two or zero? uh, No. In the movie? Because I haven't seen it yet. Because that's what's so interesting, right? Um, we learn so much more about Steppenwolf as a member of Darkseid's elite um, as a result of Darkseid declaring war on the universe of Earth 2. And so far, the DC universe hasn't really taken on the fact that there are these parallel universes, uh, uh, except in the DC TV universe, where, you know, all four of the major shows... Um, have have dealt with the fact that there are these multiple universes and Flash really trucks in, you know, all of the different Earths. Hmm. Um, so I find that really interesting that they're introducing this character and they're not touching on the fact that, you know, they, they kind of have to deal with multiple universes because where do all of Steppenwolf's parademons come through, come from? Right, right? exactly. You know, they, yeah. Um, yeah. So. You get a tiny, tiny glimpse of that during like a flashback war scene when when everybody defeated him in this flashback pass that we see, but, and you see him kind of turning people to the parademons and stuff. So they kind of make it seem like, Oh, it's just his group and he's just kind of making them wherever he can. But uh, yeah, it never delves into that. And so 
I don't know. That was uh, I felt like that was a little bit of a letdown, but um, but I didn't mm. I didn't walk out of it disappointed. You know, I, I enjoyed uh, Batfleck. I enjoyed kind of the whole group. I thought they actually uh, did a pretty good job together. I don't know if it's going to be your... able to top Thor at the box office, um, but uh, but it might. I, I'm curious to see how it all shakes out. What's your sense of uh, of of Affleck's commitment to Batman in seeing him in the movie? Like it, it, the the biggest critique between Wonder Woman Batman that I've seen in in this movie is that it feels very much like um, uh, Affleck is or Batman the character is setting up Wonder Woman to be a bigger sort of leader of the Justice League going forward, um, and his pressers have done nothing to convince people. It seems like that uh, he's he's not he's anything more than on his way out. I didn't feel that at all. Like I felt okay. like he was the one leading the team, putting them together. I mean, certainly having her help and everything. And obviously, after the huge success of Wonder Woman, I mean, we know Warner Brothers had them go back and rework her part in this film to make it much bigger. So obviously, there's going to be more Wonder Woman. You know, she's going to play mm-hmm. a much more prevalent role. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, even at the end, you can tell. Okay, you know, here's Batman looking at a place that they can buy for to make the Justice League headquarters and all this sort of stuff. It's like he, I don't know. I always felt like he was clearly kind of heading up this whole thing. So it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't seem out of sorts to me that that he would be on his way out or anything like that. And I mean, I, I, he's a darker character. I think that Batman makes more sense kind of brooding and everything and uh you know wonder woman is just so positive and all about love and everything so i mean it's it's just kind of yin and yang i guess you seem a little bit uh wishy-washy on it like you enjoyed it but probably uh you know it obviously wasn't a slam dunk but my are you more interested now as a result of seeing this movie in seeing standalone movies from flash cyborg and aquaman Oh, yeah. I, I loved all their characters. I think that they okay. all do a really fun uh, job of, of playing their roles and some interesting elements in all of them that, yeah. for me, it just it made me excited to see this team and it made me excited to see uh, more Justice League. Like, are they going to bring in Green Lantern next time or Martian Manhunter? or How, how are they going to keep expanding this team? Um, and certainly, I'm looking forward to the Wonder Twins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I am too. I, I think that'd be really funny. Uh, but Green Lantern, probably more than than any of them. I'm well. I'm, that's one of my favorites. And yeah, and it's obviously the movie was just not a success. But they they do in some of the flashback bits have like the well, I can't remember what the Green Lantern army or whatever they call themselves. The the Gold, core. The core. There you go. Um, they have them in the flashbacks. And so it was like super exciting really? to see so much, so many elements from the DC universe coming together in this film. I'm like, this is like, I don't know. I just, I got really excited watching this because I felt like th- this could be the start for them. Well, uh, hopefully it is, it is the start. Hopefully it's something that gets people more excited and hopefully they get some other team to do the promotional artwork because the poster is super dumb. Yeah. They really needed to go the Thor route, uh, Thor Ragnarok with just such, that was like one of the most creative, beautiful superhero posters that have been made. And then to see this one with the stupid logos for uh, each of them have their, their iconic letter logo that they yeah. use to write the words. Oh, just terrible. 
it is really really bad yeah it's really bad yeah um let's see we've uh you want to talk a little bit about box office do you have any numbers well, it looks like at this point, um, Justice League is, uh, you know, it, it brought in $13 million in, in Thursday night previews. So um, that was more than Wonder Woman, less than Thor Ragnarok. Um, uh, and then uh, I think it was behind uh, Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. So um, at, at this point, people are expecting Justice League um, to be, to take number one spot at the box office. Um, Thor has uh it's been out for long enough where it doesn't look like it'd be able to kind of top the justice league estimate of around 105 to 115 million so but um yeah i guess we'll see that's that was the big one then of course wonder opened this weekend which uh looks like a great little family film and uh, i know my kids are excited to see it so and yours too yeah very excited to see it yeah probably more than any other film out there even justice league but it's birthday weekend so my pick (laughs) so my pick Mm-hmm. And then I think three, three <laughs> suck on it, kids. <laughs> You're gonna do what daddy likes and like it. <laughs> I love my family. There you go. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's do trailers. We got some great trailers this week. Oh, good stuff. Oh, juicy. I'm gonna go first because um, not technically red band rule, but holy but hell, may, red band rule may as well be. <laughs> this is the trailer for Deadpool 2, and I don't even know how to talk about it. It's so bizarre and wonderful. Uh, this is, uh, uh, we have Deadpool, and he is the fantastic uh, public broadcasting painter, Bob Ross. He's wearing, <laughs> he's in his uniform, complete uniform, but he's wearing the Bob Ross wig, and he's wearing Bob Ross's uh, clothes and the the pink button down that is unbuttoned to about the third button, just like Bob Ross, and he's painting a happy little painting, and he's beating his brush against the the stand. <laughs> just beat it, <laughs> and he's just beating it. Oh, that feels good. <laughs> and he's using just some filthy language and innuendo, and he is breaking all kinds of rules. And this is as much a metaphor for the the kind of uh, wonderful, beautiful, absurdist comedy that is Deadpool. Uh, and I think, I, for me, this trailer represents uh, everything good about a, a team of people that have come together to make a project that they are absolutely in love with. And um, because I, you you have to you have to really believe in yourself to do whatever you want, right? You have to believe in the in the message and you have to own it. And this trailer does all of those things. Uh, it, it feels not studio driven at all. Um, it feels very much like Ryan Reynolds and team just said, we're going to we're going to make whatever we want. And now we can. Uh, and this is my tra- favorite trailer of the year, hands down. I mean, I I every time I watch this trailer, I laugh. It is it, then at the end of his little absurdist painting escapade, it goes into some quick cuts of some of the action from the movie. We see some of the our favorite characters. We see Cable. We see, um, you know, it, it, then we we wrap it up with the the finished painting, which is the the final uh, supper. I can't remember what the who actually painted the original. It was was it uh, Norman Rockwell? Norman Rockwell, right. Right, right, right. Um, and so uh, it ends with Norman Rockwell with Deadpool and Cable standing at the end serving the turkey. And it's just perfect. Did you love this trailer? I totally loved it. It's. I think it's unfair to call it a trailer. It really is a teaser. Um, but it's a full trailer length. And it's just yeah. nothing but complete fun. They have uh, obviously 
tapped into the joy of the just out there, raunchy, um, off the wall humor uh, with Deadpool and all have a fun time uh, just going along with that, which I think is it's great to see because it's it's so unexpected in the superhero universe. And obviously they did a great job with that in the first film. Looks like they're continuing it here. And I, I just, every little bit of this is just brilliant. And yes, the, the, the few clips that we get of the actual movie that come toward the end of this teaser um, make it look like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very excited and I cannot wait to see it. You know what we don't need? Like, I don't think we need any more trailers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> in this movie. Why, like, well, I really... Just leave it here. Uh, I was ready anyway. Like, I was ready with no trailer to give them my money. Uh, <laughs> but this this cemented it. Not only did this cement my, uh, you know, my commitment to Deadpool 2, it submitted my, uh, my commitment to Deadpool 3, which is already listed in uh, IMDb. Um, That's fantastic. So I guess they signed a, a trilogy for him. Um, well, I mean, he's like he was really hardcore, the one pushing this whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I think that he is probably, you know, it seems like it, as long as they're going to make it right, he's probably you know willing to kind of keep playing this character because he absolutely uh, because it is such a fresh, fun character to do. We get it uh, June 1st. 2018 in the U.S., but uh, Hungary, Singapore get it May 31st, uh, and uh, you know Lithuania, Poland, Sweden, and Turkey are already on the June 1st bandwagon. Uh, oh, and UK too. Uh, no other international release dates yet. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting so. that they're at, at this point. It doesn't sound like they're bringing in any other X Men other than the ones that they brought in last time, like yeah. Colossus <laughs> and uh, Negasonic Teenage <laughs> Warhead. Uh, and Domino, well, I guess Domino will be in there, but it's, uh, yeah. and, and Cable, obviously, but it's like not a lot. And it's, it's and, not like an X Men movie, which I think that's is right. also the, great. This time by choice, right. conscious choice, exactly. man. Conscious choice. Leave them out. They're not going to be in it the first time. They don't get to be in it the second time. <laughs> the, uh, the production title of the movie is, is the title I think they should go with because right now it's still listed as Untitled Deadpool Sequel. Right. And it, it might, you know, who knows? It might just end up as Deadpool 2. But the, the uh, production title was Love Machine. <laughs> I hope they do that. I hope it's just called Love Machine. <laughs> That would be so funny. <laughs> Deadpool movie, God. These guys are brilliant. I, I love that they exist in the universe. I cannot wait for June 1st. Here, here. My movie, uh, the trailer I am going with, is a 2018 uh, supernatural horror film that uh, John Krasinski is heading up as the, uh, as the director and star, which, uh, you know, I haven't seen either of the other films that he directed, Brief Interviews with Hideous Men and then The Hollers, which I did have as a trailer pick um, last year, which it looked really good and I I just haven't gotten around to watching this. But this time he's doing a horror film and weirdly I think that this is probably going to be the first one of his films that I'll probably end up finally watching because it just looks so creepy. This also is marketed as a teaser. Oh, and I should say it's called A Quiet Place. It's also marketed as a teaser, but again, it is a full-length teaser. Uh, it really gives you a lot of this, the 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 feel for this film, which I think it looks fantastic. Um, it is about a family that lives out in this country house, and they have to live in complete silence because there's some some creepy thing that obviously lives giant leaves giant uh, claw marks on the wall and torments this family if they make any sounds. Um, so. 
John Krasinski is the dad. Emily Blunt, uh, his real-life wife, plays his wife in the film. Uh, Millicent Simmons, who uh, is, uh, she is the uh, deaf actor who is just in Wonderstruck, that's kind of making its way around theaters right now. Um, She plays their daughter, and Noah Jupe plays their son. And these guys have to live in a life of silence. And so they speak in sign language, and they don't make any sound. And then they have this moment when the kids are playing uh, Monopoly, where the son accidentally knocks over a... uh, a light and makes a noise and the terror begins. Um, this has a fantastic feel, a really unique kind of uh, world that they're creating here. And um, I, I don't know. I think that uh, John Krasinski, not somebody I expected to be really looking at as a director, but I've got to say this just looks like he's doing something really fun and creepy here. And I can't wait. what do you think of this one? Oh, Andy, <laughs> it was fine. I this is I, I really do like John Krasinski. I I um I enjoyed a, a brief brief interviews with Hideous Man. I haven't seen the Hollers, but um and and I think I was I was one of few that enjoyed brief interviews. Um, it, it seems like that was kind of a divisive uh, film, but this one I'm I'm on the fence because I have to tell you I was really excited about it. Like it looked like a, a neat thriller and an interesting setup, but it feels like they've sort of written themselves into a hole. They've made this this kind of a writing game where we're gonna we're gonna write this one rule into the world building, um, and. Uh, we're going to create all these these great elements like it we have to be quiet and so we you know they they these great details like we can only walk on sand so they they have these bags of sand that they carry around to create paths in order to make their footsteps super quiet uh i love all those little elements but i can't help but thinking why don't they move (laughs) Right, like why don't you leave this house so there is something that they're going to have to do that makes that universe believable by solving that problem because i'm gonna wonder why they don't move the whole time uh because otherwise it just seems silly like it's a silly uh yeah why why stay well, and yeah. who knows? I yeah. mean, maybe it's everywhere. Maybe the, this this problem is worldwide. And yeah, know, maybe it's yeah. a universe. Yeah, the whole universe yeah. has been taken over by sound creatures. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but uh, but I really I like the atmosphere, and I really like John Krasinski. I really do. I like I've liked him since you know since we met him on the office, um, and uh, I really I I also like the. Uh, um, the the what was the war one he just did? I watched it on the airplane, uh, coming back from 13 China. Soldiers. What was it? 13, 13, 13, so, hours, was, thirteen hours. Thirteen night. Thirteen hours. Thirteen hours. I really enjoyed that one. I thought that was great uh, for him, just as an actor playing an, uh, an you know, a very different kind of role yeah, than perfect. we've ever seen John Krasinski, and and um, so I I really enjoy his work as as a director and uh, and an actor and uh, and a human being and a and a friend and a brother. In arms, <laughs> and, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see. I really want to see how they solve this problem. Well, and obviously, you know, from working on 13 Hours with uh, with Michael Bay. I mean, Michael Bay's company, Platinum Dunes, is uh, is producing this. So, mm-hmm. so that uh, obviously that connection helped kind of get this uh, going. So, there you yeah. go. Well, this uh, looks like it's going to be opening. Oh, let's see. It looks like April 6th next year. So um, enough time to get a full trailer out sometime before then. It actually kind of has a, a roll around. opens in Singapore April 5th. 
and then kind of uh, U.S. April 6th, and then rolls around the world to Italy May 24th. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, Andy, that means it's time for us to do the list. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> this was, uh, this was I'm going to say, in hindsight, a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. It really was. It's a terrible idea. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to you want to recap uh, our challenge? Yeah. So um, so the movie that we talked about on the show this week was, of course, the the brilliant uh, Juan Jose Campanella film, The Secret in Their Eyes, in which uh, there is this this cold case story that they uh, or the uh, case that the uh, the the folks have to open up and they they solve. So we said, hey, let's do let's do cold case. <laughs> Movies that deal with cold cases. And uh, yeah, that's that's where we are. We've got lists where we're each picking <laughs> three films that deal with cold cases. And uh, good luck to you, sir. <laughs> and it's, to you. You know, one, it's not an easy thing to search because, uh, you know, while there's a whole category of books called like cold case novels, there isn't really a crime subgenre just called cold case films. So it's really... A struggle to search for films that uh, that deal with cold cases, and oftentimes it's a smaller part of the story, and it resolves with a bigger part of the story. Um, yeah. Uh, also, it doesn't help that there's a TV show called Cold Case that pops that up in you every. Ran into search. that too, did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a real problem. It, you know, so many of these end up being kind of the unsolved mystery, the the crime, you know, true crime, like you run into all of these paths. And the challenge that I had, I've seen so many of these movies, but remembering which ones of, of, of these films actually deal with some sort of, of cold case, right? Some reopening some old wound. Um, it, it's it's really hard to figure out which elements are the true crime, the current true crime, and which elements are, you know, the, the old story. Um, it, it's just not obvious. It's not as obvious as I expected it to be. My memory did not serve me very well. Yeah, no, I hear you. It was, uh, and that was a challenge for me. And I uh, I kind of at some point gave up on the uh, the the reopening <laughs> element and I went with never solved element. <laughs> okay, but you know we'll see we'll see. I, I'm going to have to go to those if we start overlapping a little bit. So we'll see where we end up with this thing. Well, my extras are very shallow, as in I've got three movies. Oh, well, there <laughs> you go, I, and probably a cheat in in here. Yeah, uh, so. Uh, shall we, uh, would you like to go first? No, why don't you kick it off? All right. You've only uh, got well, three, so. <laughs> I've only got the three. That's right. Um, uh, so mine is, uh, it's a Clint Eastwood film, Andy. Uh, it is the story of, uh, Jimmy, Sean, and Dave, uh, as in this playing hockey in the streets in 1975. You know this film, I it's do. Mystic River. Uh, they, um. Uh, you know, steals with... And, and why is it that these movies, I think all of these movies deal with some sort of incest or some sort of like child rape or some sort of horrible thing. Uh, in this film, it tells the story of uh, the boys uh, having grown up uh, and uh, reopening the story of one of the young young men being uh, kidnapped, abducted, uh, and, uh, you know, 
raped as a as a child, and so here they are trying to. Uh, it's a, a revenge story, a retribution story uh, between these guys. I actually uh, this was kind of a tough movie to watch. My memory of it is a little bit um, uh, foggy. Uh, but I remember, I remember enjoying it. I remember enjoying the cast, right? Sean Penn and Tim Robbins and Kevin Bacon and Lawrence Fishburne. Like these were were. This is a great cast. Uh, seeing them together on screen, and uh, and and I I really enjoy that. It was based on the book by Dennis Lehane, uh, and. Uh, you know, I think Clint Eastwood did a, an admirable job with this film. So um, it, it's one just having opened it up here and kind of peeling it back this morning. I, I feel like I want to watch again and see if it really holds up. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to put that one on my list because I really um, didn't like it very much. I I really struggled with the the modern half of the story. I mean, I, I think for the most part, I, I, I maybe shouldn't say that. I think that there are a lot of elements that work. I think that the struggle I had was by the time I got to the end of the film, um, there were uh, just the scenes that happened at the end. I just didn't like those at all. I was just like, ugh, it, I felt like it was dumb by the time I got to the end. It made me angry. Really? Yeah. Uh, and so I think you're remembering it probably better than I am. Maybe. I know it was really popular. I mean, it was nominated for a lot of Oscars. Um, it got a lot of love. So I, I think I yeah. might have been in the minority, but um, I still struggled with that one. But anyway. All right. What's your... Well, speaking of uh, Dennis Lehane, uh, <laughs> the first one I'm going to be talking about is... Uh, you had this on your list. I can't remember for what, but it's the uh, 2014 film by um, Mikhail Roskam, um, The Drop, that based on yeah. Dennis Lehane's book. Because um, of because of the... It was the animals. The animals. The, yeah, there you go. The Yeah, the puppy. Yeah, right. The cute little pit bull. Yeah. Um, this is uh, there's a this is an interesting one because it's there is nothing really cold case about the uh, us following the detectives in any way at all. But there is a cold case that happened in this. There was this this guy that um, is the 10th anniversary of the murder of this guy, Richie, Richie Whelan. And um, and we kind of you know learn about that toward the beginning of the film. Um, the detective, I can't remember his name, Detective Torres, that's what it is. Um, he is trying to, um, you know, deal with, you know, it's kind of this bar where they've got, uh, they deal with this Chechen mobsters and all this sort of stuff. And as we get to the end of this film, you start learning about what really happened to Richie Whelan and how, how, um, uh, James Gandolfini's character, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's, you know, he, we learn exactly what happened to Richie. It's not what we had thought. It's not like there's this guy who always bragged about having done it. The detective at the end starts kind of figuring it out and he realizes he's just like, yeah, you know what? This guy who's always bragging he that he did it, he was actually not, uh, he was like locked in a psych ward that night, something like that. And he starts figuring it out, but he doesn't quite uh, have enough to really pin anybody. And so it's an interesting cold case in this particular story just because of the way that that it's revealed to us the audience and how it's it's just kind of we just get the information from the from uh from um why am i forgetting his name uh tom hardy's character yeah. as it as it comes out toward the end of the film and uh i i liked it i thought this was a, a a quiet crime film but one that still is quite enjoyable so that's my number one I'm with you on that one. I enjoyed that film, and I, I'm glad it made it back on the list. Um, my next film... So, I realized last week, you know, we did the weddings, right? Yes. Movies with weddings in them. And I violated the 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 rule 
of not doing movies that we've already done on the show. And this is your rule. It's a yeah. hard and fast rule, one that you live by, <laughs> that is emblazoned in gold at the headquarters of the next real uh, world, uh, uh, world Central. And I chose The Princess Bride, and I'd forgotten. I honestly forgot that we had done this film on the movie. We haven't talked this about week, that movie. We haven't? No. We should have. We totally should have. What was the movie that we got in so much trouble? Because, oh, right. So I got in trouble for not liking say anything from a college friend. Oh, yes. We have a shared college friend yes. who didn't like us very much. for, And I put it in my head that we were in trouble with her for something that we said about Princess Bride. We haven't said it. Okay, so I didn't violate the rule. That's and, and, good. And you, we would this, get in trouble because we all love Princess Bride. Yeah, right? we wouldn't. Yeah, so there's no <laughs> okay, trouble. In, no, we love Princess Bride. No, don't. Please. Yes. Uh <laughs> You had me no, worried when you were comparing it with a film that you didn't love. So no, much. this is just clearly the memory is, is not working this morning. So here's the thing. This week, whatever happened in weeks past, I'm getting ahead of myself because we haven't talked about this movie oh, you. yet. <laughs> right? Yes, that's right. Uh, I am very excited to talk about The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is coming up on the show in a number of weeks, I think in December. It's part of our December series. And uh, I, this is the Swedish version. Uh, and I, I really like this movie, the story of, of uh, uh, Mikael Nyquist and his uh, and uh, him uncovering the the story of uh, uh, of the family and uh, ages of well it, it's horrible sexual sadism and incest and oh my gosh it's a whole blender full of uh, it's a pretty <laughs> pretty alternate, horrifying alternate yeah. kinds of family love oh. and uh, yeah it's it's awful uh, but uh, a fantastic movie uh, written by uh, Nicolaj Arcel and Rasmus Heisterberg based on the uh, the novel by Stieg Larsson. Uh, so I'm really, really looking forward to seeing this um, and uh, again. And it is a, a great story of of a journalist uncovering uh, the story of a cold case. And uh, I think it it's uh, it's probably I, I don't know it's it's probably closest to uh, the the true intent. Yes. of our list today that I have on my list. I would agree. I would agree. And it introduced the world to the fantastic Numi Rapace. Yes, it did. So, yes, it hallelujah. Did. Yeah, that was uh, on my list, so I'm checking that one off. Um, thanks for that. But uh, so, <laughs> so for my second one, I'm going to uh, talk about another brilliant uh, crime film that uh, I think is pretty much um, loved by everybody. If they don't love it, then they're wrong. Um, it's the fantastic Jonathan Demme film from 1991, The Silence of the Lambs, with Jodie Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and uh, adapted from Ted Talley's, uh, 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 Ted Talley adapted it from Thomas Harris's novel. Um, this is just a, a fantastic, fantastic film as this FBI trainee gets, uh, tries to track down Buffalo Bill, the serial killer. Um, the reason that I'm putting it on the list is because, uh, yes, it is all very current. Buffalo Bill does have somebody captured and, and caught, but the clue that, that, uh, Clarice Starling 
gets that kind of leads her to uh, to figure out uh, where Buffalo Bill is. Uh, really, it's on accident almost. Is this this kind of cold case of this this girl who had been abducted and murdered, and um, and it's the clue that it's you know oftentimes. It, they start with somebody uh, close to them that they knew in their circle. And that is the clue. Um, so by kind of, by figuring that clue out, and that leads her to Jame Gum and leads her to this uh, this horrifying situation at the end of the film where she's able to uh, solve the case. But it's, it's just a fantastic film, and that is my number two. That is a great pick, and I'll I'll tell you that was uh, I crossed that off as my that uh, was going to be on my list. I crossed it off because uh, of I think the the uh, it just felt like so much of it was current, so much of the story was current. And sure. That one clue, I wasn't sure if you would find that was enough to count as a cold case. But I considering I'm how much we're struggling here, <laughs> yeah, I think we're really, okay. the, the rules are pretty thin. Uh, okay, well, my number one pick, Andy, is uh, it's. Uh, Forget it, Andy. It's Chinatown. Mm. Uh, this is a story of J.J. Uh, Jake Giddies. He's a private investigator. He is hired uh, to surveil the good Hollis Mulray uh, over at the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. And he uncovers a whole conspiracy to dry out Los Angeles and raise the rates of water and make a lot of money. And that's all well and good. But the cold case, the crime... Is actually that that they uncover at the very very end of the movie is that it actually was again a story of incest decades before and uh, it, the the climax of this movie is fantastic. Uh, Faye Dunaway is fantastic. Jack Nicholson is is terrific, uh, and um, uh, John Huston, uh, of course, is an, uh, always an epic. Uh, find in these movies. This was a Roman Polanski movie, which it, it makes it a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it's it, the times have not been kind um, based on Roman Polanski's uh, history and activities. And uh, this movie is it. It. it I worry that it. <laughs> this story. Um, it, it might be a little bit too much uh, akin to "I Love You, Daddy" that we talked about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the thing about Chinatown that I, I, uh, I mean, yes, I agree. This is a, a masterful film. I've always loved it. Um, I guess the 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 reason I have an, I guess I could say an easier time with this one is that in his uh, the the sexual abuse case happened. Um, I mean, I know it's kind of like maybe right around the time of this, but it all kind of hit right afterward, and so I'm like, you know what, I think. It's enough pre uh, creepy uh, Roman Polanski that I, I still kind of uh, write it off in my head. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> fair or not. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Uh, history will judge you. I know. <laughs> I know. On it's it's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I struggle a little bit with this movie just in the, with the gift of hindsight, uh, but it is, it is, a, it's a terrific film uh, and it, it accomplishes what it's trying to do. You know, uh, yeah. it's, it, it tells a, a, that, that element in it in particular uh, changes. It's what I love about it. And what I love about Robert Towns script is that, you know, that, that element at the end changes how you see the entire film. And I, I, 
I love that that last little bit actually uncovers and unties a knot that you're struggling with. It does it uh, expertly. So um, it's it's a great movie. Fantastic choice. Yeah. What's your number one? All right. So I'm down to ones that are that are unresolved <laughs> because. <laughs> Because uh, the the other cold case films that I uh, would have had on my list, uh, either we've talked about on the show before, because there are some great ones like Zodiac or LA Confidential, or, right. or even David Fincher's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, uh, you know, we've I can't really go back to them, and so uh, and you've kind of taken uh, taken my other Dragon t- Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, <laughs> uh, and so I'm I'm left with a, a story of a real crime. And uh, I'm kind of torn. I ended up with three choices, and I feel like we've talked about one of them. So I'm going to go with a different one, which I think is an interesting um, – it's not a crime film at all. It's actually a drama that I think is a really um, uh, a powerful film, a powerful story that ends in a horrifying crime um, that was never resolved. Nobody really knew – what had happened even if there were some suspects and i don't i'm not even sure if there was much investigation since it was in a foreign country but the the film is the 1988 uh, michael apted film gorillas in the mist about uh, naturalist diane fossey and her uh, work in rwanda uh, studying the mountain gorillas and i found it to be such a, a just kind of a powerful story i always i was was kind of drawn to that i think sigourney weaver was fantastic as diane fossey her her um her uh, performance was just this this driven woman who is really devoted to to learning more and more about the primates but also as it became uh, over the course of the film kind of finding a way to to protect them more because some just the the Rwandan government uh, there was so much poaching going on and she had been trying to stop it and everything and it it leads to this this uh bit at the end where she's just this this brutal murder in her cabin um she had a machete in there and she was just hacked to to bits with with her own machete and um yeah and nobody really knew who did it i mean there were possible links to the uh to the poachers um could it have been uh you know something somebody from the government that would did not want her meddling in their uh their own things uh, who really knows? But it's an interesting kind of uh, case that I guess has gone cold. Nobody's really looking into it. But um, I thought it was a really powerful film uh, with a kind of a horrifying act against somebody who is trying to do good. So that's my final pick. That is a that's that's a really interesting pick. It's not one that I would have ever <laughs> even crossed. Uh, but I I appreciate. Uh, Man, I I appreciate that you you bent the uh, you bent the rules just enough because that's that's an interesting that's an interesting pick. Um, yeah, this a, is a, it's a, this was a tough one. This was really tough. Yeah, it really is. It, for those of you out there listening, I mean, if you can think of any others that uh, that we should have talked about, then definitely let us there's know. So much cold case on TV. Yeah, right. So I know. And books. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. A lot of books. That's the truth. When we came up with this, I immediately thought of, of uh, you know, so many of the of the pulp kind of crime novels that I like so much. And, and none of them have been made into movies yet to my, you know, yeah, to, right. to my memory. It was it was hard to come by. I was blanking. What uh, what are we going to do this week? Well, I think what is a perfect thing to do is, um, since we're going to be talking about uh, Damian Cifron's uh, Argentine film, 
Wild Tales, which is an anthology film, I think we should do our favorite anthology films. I think there's okay. there's a great variety of them out there, and I think it'd be fun to uh, fun to talk about. Well, I do too. I my memory of anthology films usually stops at the ones that I don't like very much. So I <laughs> this is gonna, this is going to be good to go back and see if I can find some that are uh, uh, redeeming. Uh, I will I'll go with you on that. Best anthology films it is, and we've only talked uh, about one on the show uh, that I can think of, and that's uh, um, the Stephen King. Uh, one that I'm blanking on right now. What is that called? Yeah, Creep Show. Uh, Creep Show. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and actually, it's another Stephen King one that is coming up on my name on my uh, list. I think first. So, Creep there. Show Two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll tell you though, Creep Show Two has the bit with the swamp. Yeah, remember the, with, with the, 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 the gooey the, swamp the monster. Yeah, it's, oh, a blo- it's a lake blob. That's why I don't uh, swim in lakes <laughs> oh. or go to camp or hang out on buoys That's and a, floating docks. That is definitely that one and the thanks for the ride, lady. Yeah. Those <laughs> two right. bits. Oh, that was so good. Uh, <laughs> okay, you're right. Yeah. That wasn't what I was thinking of, but awesome. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be good. Uh, it's going to be good fun. Uh, thank you, everybody, who for, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, you are likely a subscriber to our uh, Patreon uh, uh, Patreon account. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of that and for throwing us a few bucks to help us do what we do. And in, in fact, we just invested in new stuff to hopefully help make the show sound even better as a result of your support. So uh, we, we really appreciate you um, appreciate you helping us out. Uh, we, we got a great email uh, from a new listener uh, who just says, hey guys, I found your podcast a week ago. I can't stop listening. I love it. Uh, I'll become a Patreon member in a few days. So many movies I'd really love to hear you review. Send them on. This is from Richard. Thank you so much, Richard, for uh, uh, for writing us and letting us know. Absolutely. As soon as you're a Patreon, patron, definitely send us that list. Jump into the Slack. We would love to love to hear you there uh, and uh, and get some of your movies on the list. We are planning. We are planning now. Uh, we're we're we've got this massive list of movies that we've wanted to talk about uh and and so we're starting to massage that into our 2018 uh list of films uh so if there is a movie that you would like to hear reviewed or would like to talk about with us uh definitely shoot us a note jump uh, jump into slack and and send us your list over in the community we would love to hear from you and uh, and get those on the list absolutely am i missing anything i think that's it i think we covered it all right All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Andy, you have a great day, sir. Same to you. You know what I just realized? A joke that I can't leave Uh the show without making? (laughs) Okay. I hope you're able to solve your cold case. (laughs) Sniffle, sniffle. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice nice bookends for the show. (laughs) Bye. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. 
Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.